Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. Before we get to the podcast, I just want to ask you for your help. If you like what we do, if you listen a lot or you listen frequently, but you get something out of it, please give something back. The way you do that is you click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. There is a range of tiers there to suit every budget and every cent we get helps keep these conversations going and the mics on. We rely entirely on listeners. We have no ads. We have no sponsors. There's not, you're not going to hear about mattresses or adverts from the government of Ireland and all of that nonsense that you get in other podcast platforms. But because we don't have that, we need people to pay it forward. There are literally thousands of you listening. So all we need is a handful of you to please pay it forward. A lot of work goes into keeping these shows going, and it's the only source of income we have to do it. So when I say it's the price of a cup of coffee to you, to us, it's so much more. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. We really, really appreciate everybody liking and sharing. But before you finish this podcast, do click on the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise and join us for a month. That's all I'm asking. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and I continue to fly solo as uh, our peanut head uh, is at home in bed. He has, has He's had a tough time of it, folks, and you're all aware of it. Um, unfortunately, you know, his, his health is up and down, but his uh, his his bad uh, temper just remains as worse, as bad as ever, unfortunately. So so just just count your blessings that he's not here this morning. OK, we'll, we'll, we'll take that as we'll take that as a good as a good sign, a good omen for the week to come. Um, we are back talking about a topic in the broad sense that we've covered on the tortoise shack for since the since its inception and something that is that Martin himself is very passionate about and it's kind of workers rights access to justice and how people get uh, treated by their employer employment and their employment terms and to do that I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Jerry O'Brien who's president of Irish Equity uh, Jerry thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me pleasure thank you very much for allowing me on the show mm. No, Jerry, just before we start, right, I want to just um, give people a kind of insight in, into who you are. You're, you're decades in the arts, in the business and theatre. Uh, yeah. And and you're like, you know, so you're no spring chicken to this. Uh, Thanks very much. This is, well, <laughs> listen, uh, I, I'm feeling every bit of my age now. And, I, and I'm uh, and that's only because I can't run as fast as I used to. But but in terms of this, so what I'm, what I'm trying to do for listeners is contextualize this. You yeah. came into theatre in, in the 70s. And That's now right, yeah. you're coming my, right the way through. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, my first paycheck was in 1970. So I'm 50 years now in 2000 and what was it, 2020, 2021. So that would have been my 50th anniversary of drawing, drawing down a check as a professional actor. And that's how I wanted to make my living. I chose to be a professional actor. And I've been a member of equity since then. And, you know, as a fee-paying member, as on the executive, as, you know, shop steward with casts, etc., and I've seen the changes in the industry over the over the decades, over five decades. And things were sort of kind of simpler back in the in the seventies because what we used to do in terms of rates of pay and and how we we work things, particularly particularly in the audiovisual industry, and live theatre is separate, but the audiovisual industry, which is the one that has the most support from the government and the most vast revenue streams globally. And we used to copy what they did in the UK. And that meant that we would get our repeat checks when when our work was repeated on television, uh, etc. So my my work span, I mean, the great example I have is ironically Strumpet City, which we which was made in, in RT in 1979, the most iconic TV series that was made. Mm. Now at the time RTE was not geared to be a global exporter of 
audio product or audiovisual product. So they didn't have a contract. We had an in-house contract that was good for the island of Ireland and RTE's needs. So they went to the UK and we used the UK contract, which meant that we got residuals mm. when Strumpet City sold all over the world. And then around the 1990s, when sort of the, the tax breaks be- became involved and that the industry became more and more viable and people were seeing possibilities for uh, global and international stuff, uh, the, the producers' organisations began to look and, you know, they were taking legal advice. And there was a kind of contract signed that's called a buyout contract and agreement was introduced. Yeah. Now, that was fine if you're still thinking about buying out all the rights for only the island of Ireland. But now we're buying out the rights for the world. And the legislation that was brought in in 2000 said that we should have a share of that. Now, to make that simple, it's sort of like if you remember, say, an episode of Friends where Joey runs in as an actor and says, oh, look, I've got a royalty check. We can all have a good weekend. Yeah. That potential of royalty checks was removed from Irish actors. And it was not a properly sort of negotiated thing because we negotiated one contract, but then things like special stipulations were added on without negotiations. And the wording of those special stipulations mean that we assign all our rights as though we were giving them over to be owned by the producers. Hmm. And the producers can't own them. What they own is a license from us to do it. So there's been a huge misrepresentation of our rights uh, over the last 20 years. And the problem for us as a union is that equity is a small union. So we're overwhelmed by the producers who have all the power, all of the the ability to dominate the, the, the landscape. Hmm. And actors are not in a good position because if an actor tries to question these things, the offer of the work is withdrawn Hmm. and they go to the next actor who's desperate for work and they offer him and he'll sign that. And then they have these terms and conditions uh, sort of like imposed on the industry. But but so let's take that back now. Right. As as I said, you you mentioned, you know, sort of like your own background from Strumpet City through to bloody um, Veronica Guerra and through all of these things. So you've seen it from, you know, how do I put it from, from small parts and, you know, small parts in a, in a, in a temporary role on, on fair city to, uh, to a, a bloody, you know, a, a TV. Oh, a yeah, TV yeah. I've, I've worked, I've, I've worked in, in like across on various contracts. I've worked on the UK contracts. I've worked on the U S contracts. Yeah. I, I'll give you an example. I, 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 Back in 2006, I got very lucky and I, I, I auditioned for a role in London and I, I ended up playing a, a small feature part in the second of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yes. They flew out to Los Angeles. Now, because I was working in Los Angeles, I was put on their union contract, the, the, the SAG after contract, which is like a really powerful uh, instrument that protects all the rights of the performers. Mm. And that was in 2006. Just, just SAG is the Screen Actors Guild. Screen Actors uh, Guild. And, yeah. and by the way, I don't know if you're aware, they're actually currently looking to renegotiate again. And Oh, yeah, talk, they, they renegotiate every two or three years. And there's talk of another um, strike as well, because the yeah. last time they were... That, so it goes back to, again, I suppose, we'll we'll talk about the strength of unions. And yes, the strength, but, but, but SAG have important. certainly, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm familiar with one of the writers, uh, Larry Wilmore, who was on oh, SAG, yeah. and, and how he fought with, 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 with his colleagues to get better terms and conditions, particularly for for um you know the the, the actors and writers who, yeah, were, right. who were yeah so I, I, just to give you an example of that contract i still get residual payments 
from the exploitation of that film today. So that's mm. 20 years later, nearly. Mm. Now, if I, I don't get anything from Veronica Kieran, I don't get anything from the couple of episodes of Tudors that I was in. I don't get anything. And neither do any of the Irish actors. Yeah. In, in any proper structured way, because we signed these buyout contracts. Now, there's legislation that was brought in recently, the European Copyright Directive, which guarantees that the performer should get uh, be paid appropriate proportionate remuneration for the, the ongoing financial life of the film or the mm. production, which means that you should get all these things like the extra check, like every couple of months you should get a check. Now, that has been transposed into Irish law, but immediately the contracts and the wording of these special stipulations changed. And it says that the actor now waives all those rights. So you get the rights and then the producers say, well, you're going to agree to waive them because you're going to agree now that this lump of money we're giving you now. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's everything going record. forward. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're buying out all the future revenue streams that should be coming into the actors. Mm. And actors are terrified to question this on their own. And the reason this was brought in in legislation is because the actors are terrified to question this on their own because they have no leverage in the negotiations as an individual. Because as I said, they say, well, if you don't sign this, the guy beside you will. Mm. And that's why they need a union. Now, our job is to get back up to strength and to start negotiating agreements with these people to say, look, this is the legislation. You can't just do this to kids coming out of drama school, take away all of their future earnings because that's unfair. Now, those future earnings are going to be proportionate, so they can be quite substantial or they can mm -hmm. be quite small. And I'll give an example of this because they have to factor in things like productions. But there's a very famous case of a film that was supported by the film board here a number of years ago. And everybody will know what I'm talking about, but I'm not going to name it. And it was made for, I think the budget was about 380000 But lots of people cut their rates to help the producer make this film. Now, the film became a huge success because it got an Oscar nomination in a category. And it went on to make tens of millions of euro. It's actually listed in the Guinness Book of Records as the biggest return on a film investment ever. Okay. Now, the producers would benefit from a share of that because the producers will get about 40% of that because distributors take a vast amount of the, like take about 60%. But that's to cover all of the costs of running the cinemas and doing all that and the advertising and everything that to make it a global success. But about 40% of those revenue streams will make their way back to the various rights holders. And they will be the producers. And maybe in this case, I think one of the writers or something, but two or three producers would share that. Now, in the UK, about 17.5% of that goes into a pool that would be shared with the cast of that film. And, and, you know, the composer should have it. The screenwriter should get it. Hmm. But that doesn't happen here in Ireland. It's like a wall has been built around the 26 counties because it happens in Northern Ireland. Okay. And the, the 26 counties, there's been a wall built around it like a dam. So all those, and we refer to them as revenue streams, all those revenue streams that exist outside, none of it makes its way back into our cultural community. And remember, with all the, the Oscar season that you're seeing now, hmm. The reason those Oscars exist is because of the excellence of the creative side of it, the writers, the you know, the 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 the, the performance. That's what the people are paying to go to see. But we're not getting a share of that. And so that's a simplistic argument. Yeah, right it there. is. It, it yeah. is. But I, when I when I think about it from a, from let's just again go back to say your career and say so you made Rain of Fire. 
Um, yeah. I'm assuming that was on a UK contract. No, it wasn't. That was a buyout. I don't get a penny out of that. Wow. Okay, so you were bought out on that, and that's you know, and there would be residuals on that. I mean, oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, not to go on, folks, but I kind of like my dragon movies, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no. I mean, but anything I've done here in Ireland, I mean, you know, we're beginning now to see what we want to do is to introduce the UK contract because it's it's the contract that actually works within our industry because we're so close to that, mm. and even allowing for all the Brexit mess and everything. What you've got to understand is that the EU have regulations around the film industry and their own people, how, how they should be treated within the film industry. And this legislation is, is being, I think the best way to say it is the, res, the, the responsibility and, and the requirements of this legislation is being avoided by mm. the producers through clever wording of contracts. And and then okay to take that a step and say I I take that as 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 read that we need you know we should be able to take its challenge I'm assuming you'd have to be a financially uh, solvent enough to be able to stand up and and actually say no and then and, and then and then B you need to actually have access to um to justice again to actually push on the Absolutely. door so so. Equity itself has it got the wherewithal? Has it got the support? Has it got the the ability to to say well actually, you know, the, to use the old union trick to you know we're stronger together. Let we have to make. Well, yeah, stand. well I, unfortunately, we've had a bad rap for a long time because of the way things have gone and people. The, the terrible thing about individuals and and I'm not get, giving out about my actors because I've done it myself. They would they, they would want somebody safe to blame, where there is no repercussion. It's easy to say, well, it's the union's fault. And I would take responsibility for that. And I'd say, but yeah, but if you want to change the union, you can't sit in the pub and moan about the terms and conditions when you're not a member of the union, because you can't, if you're a member of the union, you can vote against the bad agreements. But if you're not a member of the union, you can't. And you've got to educate the union. Uh, there was a, I remember talking to a teacher in America and she was working in one of those, uh, what they call the right to work states, where they where they say, oh yeah, you, you you know, if the union negotiates something, particularly in the federal area, everybody gets it, uh, and it's a way to defund the unions because you don't have to be a member of the union. So people say, well, the union can do that, but I don't have to be a member, and I'll get the benefit anyway. So when the union is weak, the bosses come along and then say, well, you're not getting it, and we're going to reduce this and reduce this, and because the people were not members of the union, the union has no leverage. So that's what's happened here. The actors are not a lot of actors don't or they don't bother and say, ah, think about it. Would 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 you would you accept any criticism that maybe the unions have failed to be radical enough? Um, I'd like to be stronger. Yeah, I would. And I'd like to I'd like to have the ability to, as you say, uh, you know, take some of these things to court because copyright law is very different sometimes to to uh, working time act and that mm. legislation, because it does have to be uh, you know challenged in the courts because it's about property yeah yeah it's it's about property rights can i can i give you a laugh on this though because it's very funny because much of the success of ireland tax haven ireland as we refer to it nowadays finally people are 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 allowed to say that without being being screamed at uh one, one of the big successes we've had over the last few years after we were closing the double irish is on property rights. Yeah. So, so if you have a can of Monster Energy in 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 Singapore, the image rights to that might actually be owned and held in Dublin. Yeah, and we're yeah. and we're effectively receiving some sort of tax tax income on it, even though it's just a bloody can. But, with, but with an image. There's an interesting thing that I want to bring back to this. If you think about the huge success that's going on, and like a while back we had a huge, big multi uh, a global media company shooting down in Wicklow, massive budget. Uh, I saw the contracts that were given to some of the actors on that. And we got our actors 
the union actors were taken out of that and we got the UK agreement, but we had to work very hard together. But there was a whole lot of dancers, young kids who were dancers on that. Yeah. And they they uh, were given a contract that said, this contract is a buyout. And it said it several times and you have no rights. And this contract is a non-union, non-guild and has no input from any of them. And that's it. You sign it, you get that lump of money. Now, they had to reshoot scenes with dancers in the UK about a year later. Hmm which is a normal thing. They, they do a, a test on, the, on yeah. the film. And they said, well, we want to reshoot the dialogue and that's it. But they had to engage the dancers. Now, I was in London and I was working on, a, on another uh, project and a girl came in to me and said, I've just got a job. I'm working on this movie that's shooting. And a, a part of it shot in Ireland at the reshoots. I said, yeah, and what contract? And I said, I'm on the UK contract, which means they were working less hours a day. They had full holiday pay entitlements. Uh, they, they were paid better. It was nearly twice as much on the fee, the minimum mm. fee. And they will receive the residual payments. So now you have a situation where a film which has received tens of millions of taxpayers' money, huge tax yeah. breaks. That's one of the like. There's a. I keep. I keep making a joke with uh, with my teenagers that um, Cocaine Bear is coming soon, and it's supposed to yeah. be based in. Uh, I think it's supposed to be based in the Rocky Mountains, but it's bloody yeah. shot. It's bloody it's shot, shot in Ireland. Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. and when they asked the director, she said she said because of the tax breaks. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's a thing called the eligible spend, which has a cap of, I think, about 70 million in the budget. And about 32% of that, if it's part of the eligible spend, is subsidized by the Irish state. So this is the thing that I have to get across. The the biggest stakeholder, they talk, you know, this fancy jargon they use about industries, or a stakeholder and stakeholder. The biggest stakeholder in the Irish film industry is the Irish taxpayer. Now, if you think about all those kids and all those young people who are now starting out because they saw an Irish actor, they saw Brendan Gleeson, they saw Colin Farrell, and said, I can do that. I want to be part of that. So they're paying money to drama schools. They're employing teachers and everything. But they're going into an industry where the stakeholder, the main stakeholder, doesn't know how badly they're being treated with regard to their rights. And I think there's a duty of care with legislation. If and I know that the producers have to sign a document that says they they will comply with all the legislation. But if that stakeholding money is going into, and it's taxpayers' money going into private industry, mm. then they will have to sign a deal that they must make sure that the rights of Irish performers, that when we're engaged on a film, that we're engaged on terms and conditions equal to and not less than any of the other actors employed. Because if I'm working beside a, a UK actor, they may be on a full packed agreement, which is the UK agreement, the UK agreement, which will give them that. I'll have one that is qualified by these special stipulations. Mm. Um, and I may be working beside a, a Screen Actors Guild uh, actor who now, they and Screen Actors Guild are thinking about not allowing their actors to work on anything else except that. It's a global rule, one rule. And the only derivation they have on that is for working on the UK Pact Agreement. Okay. They will allow their, worker, their, their members to work on that agreement. They recognize it. So if you have that situation and then you have the Irish actor for years, the UK and the US actor will pay the IRS and HMSRC tax on their residual payments. Mm. And the Irish actor won't. The Irish actor, if they're not working, will be, you know, dependent upon social welfare or whatever else is in, in the country. But if, if they were getting the residuals, they may ease their burden on social welfare because it could reduce, reduce that. And so, we're not talking, we're not like, I mean, for the most part, 
we're talking tiny sums of money. Oh, tiny sums of money, yeah. I mean, this is the, like, we got to get our head around. I, I've mentioned but, films here as yeah, if. But, as but if, the point, I tell you, the, the, the way it's calculated, I mean, the average, uh, the minimum rate, and this is for the UK as well, but what this is a negotiable, it's only a starting point. I think there's about £147 sterling a day. And what is added to that then is a percentage, which is supposed to be a usage fee. But in Ireland, they've changed the usage fee to a buyout fee. Now, the usage fee is permission or a little advance on your royalties. And then in the UK, you get that and then you get your royalties also. You get your share of the 17.5% of, of the distributor's growth, not a net profit, which is which is what they calculate here. And they they then say, um, well, that's, you know, that's that. But here you get this net profit. Net profits don't exist in the film industry. Uh, there's a thing called Hollywood accounting, which if you look up on Wikipedia, uh, it's been described as the most creative part of the film industry. <laughs> you know, more so than the writers and the authors. The the accountants are gods. Well, that's, uh, listen, we 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 have a we have a wonderful wonderful uh, tax avoidance network here that that yeah. would that would make um, you know King Midas uh, penniless if 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 we had to. Yeah, but uh, that, that's that's what the union have to face down. It's what's behind the producers are are very talented and clever people who know and understand legislation and how, and as I said that, they have, they can figure out a way around it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they get somebody to sign a document saying, I agree that what you're paying me is fair. Yeah. And, 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 and full because of if you don't agree to that, you don't get the job. Can I ask you a question uh, in relation to, say you were an actor though, in on one of these contracts, but you're in a, a, a long-term project, say a soap opera, for example. And you um, and you, they continue to treat you on on these terms. Whereas, by my by my reckoning and understanding, having looked at this for a number of years and listened to Martin talk about it, many of these people would fulfil the the criteria to be employees, not self employed. Yeah, well, that's actually handled in in the various. They have these recyclers about legislation in in the EU. And there is actually provision in that because there's nobody who's going to be the, the, the way the soap operas work, the, the maximum they will employ you as an employee is for a year because they don't want you to get all the entitlements after three years, et cetera, and things like that. It's, it's complex. And we have that problem at the moment. Um, but the EU says that uh, contracts of employment should not deny the artist the right to the benefits of the EU copyright directive. In other words, residual payments, royalty payments. Because if you're employed by an employer and they only want you in a soap, they are the end user. But if the soap is successful and it goes to other people, they're no longer the end user and they're exploiting beyond the amount that they can afford to pay you. So even with things like Coronation Street, it's built into their contracts in the UK that they will get the benefit of sales um, and the royalties that if they sell abroad or it's shown elsewhere or if it's shown on, on their, their websites. And if you notice the BBC have their website, their iPlayer is what they call geoblocked. Yeah. So the actors get a fee for that, but it is only for that particular geographic area. There's an extra fee that then has to go for if it's going worldwide. And now it has to be proportionate. So you have to calculate in what advertising revenue you're getting. To make sure, because if you're making a million in advertising, but you're only paying the actors an extra 10 or 30 quid per episode, there's a big disparity between what the value of the exploitation is 
and what the actors get. So it's it's, it's a complex. Conflict. Yeah, I, I can. I hadn't thought of it in through those terms, but it makes sense to me. You know, it's it's much. This, I I get frustrated when even even from a lowly little podcast like ourselves, we think that there are people out there who are paid per thousand listens. Yeah. Okay. We don't have any ads or sponsors, and we we don't go down that road. But then people will say to me, you know, they'll issue people within podcasts and they'll say, oh well, they're getting uh, they they they're getting this from. I don't know, an, an advert for bloody yeah. mattresses or something. Making a fortune. Yeah. And, I, and I'm laughing. I, I, I'm, saying I'm, gonna, prob- I'm going to go something to something else. When you talk about the finances in the film industry, um, it's very difficult for actors who are not in, 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 in the star market, who have, who have a great opportunity to leverage their value, their real financial value. But the rest of the actors who work as diligently and have to be as good, they just may not have reached that pinnacle. They have rights and they must be protected. So, you know, we're not paid vast amounts, but people think that if they see your face on the telly, you're minted, you're making a fortune. Um, most of the actors I know are making less than, even when they get a good year, would be making less than 20 grand a year if they're working all the time. Most of the people working in theatre who would hope to get a job in, in a film, most of them are making, you know, around 12 to 15,000, 16,000 a year because they don't work permanently. They're not 52 weeks a year employed. They're working in other jobs to try and sustain themselves while they try to, to, to make that break in their career. A lot of them, a lot of our really good talent, and I don't mean it's really good talent, good talent is here as well, but a lot of actors now know they have to go to the UK or to the US to try and make a living. Um, but if you're working in Ireland, you know, it, it's very difficult. I, I have, I'd be honest with you, I worked one day recently on a film and that was the first day I had last year and I got a fee negotiated it and they haven't paid me yet because I won't sign the special stipulations really yeah I've signed the the the, the pact agreement yeah yeah and you know you think as president of the union you'd have some sway no I signed the pact agreement I said that's the agreement because it was the UK agreement but then they came along with a whole load of special stipulations that said I had to waive all these rights that are mine under EU law and I said it actually says in the in the thing that this is this contract this section is unenforceable mm. is the word used and in the U, in in the directive it states that these these uh, rights that you have cannot be contractually overridden and yet here and we yet are. Here they are. <laughs> here they are, and they're asking me to agree to waive my right. But one of those rights is a right to uh, every year the producer must tell me how much the, the the film is made, so that I can calculate whether I'm being paid a proportionate amount. Uh, a right to renegotiate the contract, hmm. and a contract readjustment mechanism. Nope, you're not getting that. If you want the job, you now the, the 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 reason I'm in the position to say no is because they, I didn't sign the contract. I did the work. Hmm. But if I hadn't done the work and I was questioning this before I got the job, before I actually stepped on set, they'd say, oh, look, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. We get another actor. Mm. And that's that's the problem for all actors here. Can I can I like I mean, just knowing that again, if you can't if you to have a right, you have to be able to attest the right. So yeah. therefore, these rights aren't actually um, rights of, of people within the creative industry because they cannot attest them. They're being asked to waive them. Yeah. Can I can I ask you on the positive side? Well, no, perhaps- there's, 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 there's a little bit here. Going back to the, the, the act in 2000 about what they used to call equitable remuneration, 
there's a whole clause on that about how we how we assign rights. We assign them under license. Now, in in uh, a statement to the Budgetary Oversight Committee, uh, a, a producer actually said, "Oh no, the producers have to own those rights." Um, so that that is a misleading statement on on record. It's wrong, and they then try to paint it that you know, you know this creates a problem with these actors because if we don't own the rights, we can't distribute to the little cinema in France, and that's a lie because the legislation states that one uh, you know. People, the, the, that cinema will buy in good faith from the producer. It's the producer has to say, we have this license to do this and we're going to make sure the artist gets paid their fee. Because it says in the legislation that the right to equitable remuneration by the uh, for the artist shall not be over, shall not be waived. So you can't waive that. Okay. And when you get to legislation, when they use the difference between may do something and shall not, <laughs> yeah, that's a different. And it's a, you, you, you sound like you sound like the government's uh, program for uh, program for government that said that we 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 may you know tackle climate change. Yeah, we may we shall we, not. <laughs> <laughs> but but the point about it is that those words are very important in legislation and in yeah. law. And isn't it sad that here's an actor having to talk about these things like that? I'd yeah. rather be reading a script, to be honest with you. But that's that's the problem in that all these things are being waived because the actor. The young actor doesn't know what the contract means because they're not reading them. And the agents are equally pressured because if the agent tries to do something, that that agent will be sort of sidelined and their clients won't, won't get caught into it. And that's the real fear that people have out there. Hmm. Um, just uh, there is fears of, of blacklisting in, in, in many industries, particularly for people who do step up, stand up. Can yeah. I ask, though, in relation to things like the u- universal basic income for artists? Yeah. Um, what are your feelings on it? Um, it's, it's in a test phase, I suppose. I, I have spoken to two people who've actually, you know, were, were, were successful in their applications and, and how it maybe has given them a stipend. But I want to stress to people. These artists were already bringing in um, salaries that, if you want to call them that, below the at risk of poverty levels on oh, an yeah, annual yeah. basis. A lot so, of actors, ninety, I'd say, eighty percent of actors are probably in that position. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of the of the of the of the pilot scheme and 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 of well, it as, as an idea to maybe? I again, I'm kind of I I'm kind of loath to think that maybe we're going to rebalance it again via this via this uh, universal basic income as opposed to actually paying the people their due. So I don't know. Um, well, that, that's a very good point. I mean, if, if, if possibly if we were being paid, um, you know, the, and our rights were protected and we were valued financially as we should be valued. And, and that sounds like a real cry out, oh, the poor actor. I, I have no problem struggling in my career. That was my choice. But if I'm going in, at least make sure that the rights I have are protected. And if the big stakeholder is the taxpayer, then the taxpayer should be behind us and saying, we're putting all this money into the industry. Why are the actors in need of things like the basic income? That's a problem. Now, the, the problem with the basic income is that it, it will, like, I, I approve of any help that goes to actors because I know a lot of actors who are facing eviction and who, who have problems, uh, you know, they, they literally don't have the money to buy school uniforms because they're struggling, like everybody else in society. But they have all these protections that are not being applied. So when you work with the basic income for the artists, it, it's an, it has a potential. As I said, when, when actors are talking about money and their, and their status in society, people who are not there go and say, oh, you're always moaning, you've got this, you've got a great life, and it's a bit of a crack, isn't it? 
you know, at six o'clock or five o'clock in the morning up the side of a mountain trying to make yourself look great is not a bit of crack. It's quite hard work. Um, people say, oh, yeah, well, that's great. But they say, you know, just because you love what you do, you don't really work. Well, that's, I find I, I want to even come back. Sorry, on sorry, that. Just to get, just to get yeah. back to the basic income. The problem with it is that if it's only for artists, people say, well, look, there you are. You're being you're being special again. Mm. You're not part of society. So it has a, has a danger of being divisive. Now, I approve of supporting all low income workers in any way possible. But when you do, it's this, and it should be a pilot scheme for a universal basic income, which is what I believe should should exist, mm. because a universal basic income should lift everybody. Yeah, just well, artists well, or whatever. I, I, there's, uh, we've covered it on the podcast a few times with universal basic basic income Ireland and and yeah. and and their plans around it. One of the things that they would be very keen on is to see if we went along that lines that we also have. UBS universal basic services. So yes, that's right. because the worst problem you can have with a universal basic income is that you hand everybody 300 quid and the state says go off and get private health insurance go yeah. off and get everything yeah. private you know and leave you at the leave you at the mercy of of the free market. So so there's 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 ways of ways and means but nonetheless yeah. um it is a pilot scheme I I'm glad you pointed out that it should it shouldn't be um, just at the door of the artists and I don't no. think it, it it does strike me as a little bit you know it could potentially become, yeah. Uh, well, there you are, get looking for special treatment, and 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 those, particularly in a country with, unfortunately, despite booming economy, growing inequality. Um, Jerry, just pe- people listening to this though, like are now and, and and trying to get their heads around it. Where do like like how do you then say to them? Well, actually. Our movement is your movement. Our mo- our movement for for justice for us is the same as the movement for justice for Deliveroo, you know, cyclists. It's yeah. the same as. Hey, are, are, are you? Is there a way that you guys can show solidarity with other areas that aren't actually that dissimilar in terms of the how people are being treated in what was now if essentially we heard finally people have gotten comfortable talking about the gig economy you know and oh yeah well we the, the thing about actors is we were in the gig economy long before the phrase was used you know i mean musicians were talking about gigs and we had that late that, that famous late night restaurant in dublin where where musicians and actors used to go after shows and, and gigs called gigs place yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think it was but uh the the, the thing about it is we were sort of like the canaries in the coal mine where everybody was using or getting around legislation. We had no protections because we were precarious workers before that phrase was used because we were freelance. And we have a difficult time with things like um, revenue, et cetera, because they don't know whether we're freelance or whether we're employees. And they want us to be employees to satisfy that thing. But that may come into conflict with other bits of legislation that we have rights to. Uh, as I said about that contract of employment, might deny you your residuals because the first thing that the producers would do is say, "Oh, yeah, but you're an employee, and if you're an employee, we own all your rights." So there's 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 all sorts of uh, issues around that. So I think we are united with everybody. I mean, I'm I personally, you know, I because I've 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 lived and I've had periods where I've had to depend on social welfare where I've tried to get jobs outside of this industry and found it difficult to get a job, even for a part-time job. Hmm. Um, I think actors, you're going to have to change your perception of actors. Stop thinking about our stars. Stop thinking about Colin Farrell and, and Brendan Gleeson, who are on, you know, they get three million a movie and they're taking a pay cut to do that because it's a favour to the producer. But remember that they're, those fees are being subsidised by the taxpayer as well. Hmm. The, the, the other actors then around them are getting nowhere near that. 
nowhere near that kind of money. Uh, we have soap actors who are struggling on less than sometimes maybe 12 grand a year if they get that. Yeah, and and so we are low paid workers with the same. I have the same struggles as everybody else. I have to pay my taxes when I earn enough to pay taxes. I have to pay my rent, my ESB, my gas bill, everything else. Mm. Um, I don't have a pension anymore. I had, I had a private pension. I had to cash in a number of years ago because I was in financial difficulty. And that's something that every actor faces. And it's something that every low paid worker faces. You know, I remember speaking so, to Mark O'Halloran about it a few years ago, saying where he thought, well, he'll have to work forever simply. <laughs> well, I, I, this is a very interesting thing. There's, there's a benefit that exists within, within the union when you reach 65 and you're supposed to retire from a job. And you get a tiny little check from the union. And I asked one of the officials in the union, I said, that's great. I said, uh, according to the rules, when you retire from a job, I said, well, can you tell me, have you met any retired actors? <laughs> and there was silence in the room, because even within the rules of any organization, they don't know where we fit into the rules. So it means that we constantly have our legislative rights sort of eaten away from us by the choice is this. You give us all your property or you don't work. Mm. And that's that's basically what it comes down to. So it is a really, really hard struggle. And, I, you know, we're we're actors are, are part of society. I mean, people say and it, it seems like a very airy fairy thing to say, but we're the storytellers. We're telling your stories, but we're also living your stories because we're low paid. So we have to have that empathy between all of the working class and all of the people who are struggling. Jerry O'Brien, look, we'll we'll leave it there for today, but I have a feeling we'll be revisiting this uh, soon, especially when the other fellow's back up on his feet. I will wrap by saying one thing, and it's again to bring it back to my stupid economic head on me. We're great in Ireland wanting to spend the cultural capital that the actors yeah. and the creatives do. Yeah. We want to spend that cultural capital. We're not great at, at actually helping. Yeah. Can, build I, can, I just, can I just finish up on that a little bit on the PR end of it, if I may? I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, around. go ahead. When, when, when you see all this PR, you see, you know, uh, a huge movie down in Wicklow and you'll see a big article in The Independent about a, a local restaurant owner who sold X hundred extra cups of cappuccino. If we're investing that money in an industry, then it's not about somebody selling more. Is, is all that money there to sell more cappuccinos or is it there to create a, a vibrant cultural community who share in the revenue that we're actually generating? And, and that's what we have to do. The, the investment in, 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 in the audiovisual industry is the biggest investment in the arts. And this goes across everything, by the way, including gamings and games and all, all the audio stuff that we do and radio plays and everything that are now exploited digitally. We get no share of that. And everybody else wants, knows the value of our work, but they don't want us to see the value of our work. Yeah, well, listen, folks, as I said, I think that's uh, enough to leave it there. You can check out uh, irishequity.ie to see uh, the work that Jerry and his colleagues do and and how they've many supports things inside and, uh, and a very active community uh, from what I've read. But, but Jerry, thanks for talking to us. We will come back to this, I'm sure, again soon. Uh, listen, folks, we are back tomorrow. Uh, we are going to be talking with a range of people. <laughs> about coming together actually ne next weekend there is in Dublin the Ireland for All uh, campaign and protest counter demonstration I should call it uh, and we'll be talking to people who will be going along on Saturday to raise their voices against what has been intimidation on the streets and we want to we want to speak back so hopefully we'll have some good people to talk to you about well I know we've some great people but we'll let you know more as as as, as we can talk to you all very very soon take care bye bye 
Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.